Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I am here today uh, with Bree Marquez, uh, one of our one of our long term members, uh, a global model. She travels all over the world, um, working for all kinds of uh, fashion labels uh, as a model. Uh, I'm also here with uh, Laura Hood, my operations manager, uh, who now lives in Austin, Texas. She's tuning in from Austin, Texas. Brie, you're in LA right now, Brie? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um Thank you both for joining me. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're both very busy people. Um, you both have obviously very different lives, uh, but are no less busy <laughs> than each other, I'm sure. Um, uh, so today's topic, we have so much to cover today. Um, I want to get like a snapshot into these, these two women's lives. Both have been involved in fitness for a really long time. I see them both as kind of pioneers of, uh, as, uh, of women, in, uh, women in CrossFit, women in fitness. It, you know, it really exploded um, kind of around 20, 20, 2008, 2009, 2010 and, and, and there on. I've known them both for a few years now. Um, and they've both been very inspirational uh, to Ferris Athletic Club in the terms of, you know, how they train, um, how they deal with the management of their lives and including a lot of physicality in their in their busy lives. Um, and I know a lot of people look up to them at the gym. So I really want to get a snapshot into their lives, kind of the challenges that they've had with both fitness and nutrition, how they've kind of dealt with the preconceived ideas of what women should, uh, how women should behave in fitness, what women should look like in fitness, um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, the industry has changed a lot in the last 10, 20 years, but there's still so much misinformation out there. Um, and I want to kind of delve deep into that because I know uh, both of these girls have dealt with a lot of those, those issues. And it's going to be super interesting and super helpful, I think, to really um, get their perspective on things. Um, Laura, let's start with you. Um, I know you have a, a, a couple of kids already, uh, and I believe maybe one more on the way. Um, mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I, I mean, obviously, I have, I have, well, we, have, we have one child here, and that's, that's a handful at the best of times. So I can only imagine how busy your days must be, and then add the the, the stresses and the, the workload that I enforce upon you on a daily basis, being the operations manager of Ferris Athletic Club, and you know uh being being a wife and being uh being a mother and, and adding all these things together and then still fitting in you know fitness and all that kind of stuff what what does a day in the life of laura hood look like oh it is busy um yeah i mean we get up bright and early when our kids wake up we have a two and a half year old almost three year old and a 14 month old and we are newly pregnant with our third so it's only gonna get crazier from here Um, but yeah, we get up bright and early with the kids. We, um, found a really wonderful daycare a couple months ago, and we're really grateful to have that in our lives. That's added, uh, just a layer of help, um, (laughs) that we didn't have for the last year. And I think a lot of families, especially with really young kids who didn't have the opportunity to go to childcare during the pandemic struggled you know especially if both parents are working and it's just been a really a really challenging year to balance all of that but um and certainly my my time for fitness took a hit which is difficult I mean I've been in the fitness world um both professionally but also you know as like my hobby and my passion for many many years 
So to go through a more extended period without being able to like work out regularly was challenging. I mean, you know, we made time whenever we could, but, um, but yeah, so my kids go to daycare now. I uh, work from home. I work from Austin and the business I work for, of course, is Pharaoh's, which is located in Los Angeles. So I work remotely, um, which gives me a little bit more flexibility. I don't know that my life would be possible right now, given the situation with the pandemic, if I had to go in like a nine to five situation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I work, I do take a break, uh, at 1230 every day. I go to a CrossFit class. My husband and I just newly joined a CrossFit gym here, um, which is the first time I'm doing CrossFit. Uh, you know, I've been at Pharaoh's obviously for the last four years. So my first time in a long time, which is, which has been really fun. I mean, you forget, I think a lot of people took a break during the pandemic from going into the gym, even if they did find ways to stay active. Um, you forget how important that community component of seeing the same people every day and like really loving your coaches and just how much that adds to your life. Yeah. 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 It really does. And we'll we'll talk about that a a little bit more Uh, later on, but yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think it is such a huge part of it and I think it really highlighted you know during the pandemic obviously we we provided at home workouts a lot of people bought equipment all that kind of stuff to train at home but I think everybody realizes after a while like it doesn't matter what equipment you have it doesn't matter what you buy you need people you need community you need to be around that that energy um to really get results it's just so hard to motivate yourself to the same level you know on your own at home And I I think you're absolutely right, Laura. It's interesting because, you know, being a family now um, and having a a mother and a father that both work equally hard, equal hours, all that kind of stuff, it can be really hard to juggle, you know, the kids and and giving them them the attention that you want to give them while still trying to hold down a job and and trying to juggle everything else. It's, It's a real challenge. So, yeah, we haven't quite managed the daycare thing yet, but I'm hoping we, we can sort that out there. soon. <laughs> yeah. uh, Brie, how about you? Uh, I mean, I'm sure your your days vary massively depending on where you are in the world and what your job is at, at the time. But how do you kind of like, um, do you have like a routine every day or is every day different for you? <laughs> so pretty much every day is different. I don't have a routine. It, like you said, it kind of depends on if, I'm in Los Angeles or if I'm traveling um, and then there's like travel days that could take all day to get somewhere or stuff like that. Uh, But my days do vary depending on kind of where I am. Do you find that hard? I I mean, for me, I'm very much routine based. Like once I get out of my routine, I find it really hard to like keep things consistent. Do you struggle with that or are you you just adapted and you're really good at it now? No, I, I struggle. I think people in general, like we like routine, like we like to kind of like be able to plan things. I don't know very many people that are like, Oh, I don't care. I'll just like do whatever, whenever. Um, but I definitely do struggle. Um, there have been times where I try, I like in the past couple of years where I've traveled kind of like nonstop that gets like very taxing, like emotionally, physically, just it does weigh on you, like not sleeping, like the whole thing. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because to so many people like, oh, I travel the world as a model. Everyone will be like, oh, my God, that sounds like the best gig in the world. Uh-huh. But, you know, people don't realize that comes with a lot of challenge. It comes with yeah. a lot of, it's tiring. It's hard it's work. Honestly, like the biggest blessing, like I love what I do. Like I love like 
meeting with people all the time. Like I get to go to really cool places. Um, like before modeling, I was like super shy and like right. now, right. very much like come into, I have like my moments. I definitely yeah. like fall back, but um, definitely helped me like develop as a person. Uh, but like at the same time, it is a lot of work and that you do make a lot of sacrifices that you kind of like wouldn't think that would be a part of it, but they are. Yeah. Um, when you, when you travel, do you, what do you do about gyms and stuff? Do you, do you train in hotel gyms? Do you try and find a local CrossFit gym? What do you do? So depending on how long I am in a place, cause sometimes I will fly in, be there for like fly in the afternoon, stay overnight, work all day, then leave right after set to go somewhere else. Mm. That's kind of like you, unless you're staying somewhere multiple days, cause then you can kind of set up a routine. Like there have been times where I'll take like a class or a drop in somewhere, depending on how many days I can. So I can kind of plan for that. Um, but if I'm just going in for like two days or like overnight, I usually will work out well during the, the pandemic. I was still working like, but only to like San Francisco, like really close places. Um, and like, they're very safe. Like we get tested every time we shoot and everything. Um, but I would have to do like body weight movements, like in my hotel. So it would be like, I would, I am, I feel like I know a lot about like fitness, but there's still stuff that I really have no idea about. Like, working out without equipment. I have no idea like how to like set up a workout sometimes. So like I would like YouTube or like look at some people that are like on Instagram that do like only body weight stuff and I'll just copy their programming in my hotel. Um, What's your, and Laura, you can answer this too. What's your, what's your limit on how many days you can go without fitness before you go nuts? Mine's three. Like if if I go longer than three days without doing any fitness, (laughs) I am not pleasant to be around. (laughs) um that's interesting because i have gone quite a bit without working out before like if i'm in like a like a non-stop like or like i'm really tired i don't it's almost like i don't want to work out so it's like if i'm working out it's because i'm feeling good but if i'm not working out it's because like something's wrong or like tired or something so it's almost like the opposite for me Mm -hmm. do you find the longer you go you go out the harder it is to get back in yeah I do. There's like a lot. Like you get like, I don't know if it's like I'm anticipating like, oh, I'm going to be so sore. Oh, I'm going to be so tired. (laughs) But like once you start, it's fine. It's just like the. Uh, Getting the door. Yeah. Laura, what about you? What's your limit? I mean, I think before I got pregnant the first time, I would have said the same thing two or three days and I'd go crazy. But, you know, going through pregnancy and postpartum, like there are periods where you just can't, or if you can work out, it's a walk, you know, like you just have to adapt to different life circumstances and, um, and just like general busyness of having kids or career, whatever it is. Like there are just certain phases of life where you're not able to as much as you would like to. And I think it's healthy at when you're in a phase of life like that to not go crazy if you're not able to work out and like accept yeah. that that's your phase. Exactly. And as soon as I have an opportunity, I will again, you know. And to realize that there are more important things than fitness. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the, one of the biggest things you kind of learn as you grow up. It's like, it's not that important. I mean, it is important to stay healthy, but like you miss yeah. a workout, you know, 
the sky's not going to fall. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, how you both, uh, how you both found fitness. Um, I know you've both been friends for a long time, and I'm not, but I'm not sure whether you 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 came into CrossFit at the same time or how that happened. Or so just let's talk about that. Um, who who was at CrossFit first, Laura? Or- Laura. Laura, okay. So, yeah. so Laura, let's start with you. How, how did your introduction to CrossFit start? Um, I dated a CrossFitter in college, and he was like regionals, like competitor CrossFitter. And I had danced my whole life. Like I was certainly active, but never, I don't even think I had heard the word barbell before. Like I had no idea about CrossFit. Um, and I started watching him and supporting him. He started like a little CrossFit club and I joined just to be supportive and I liked it, but I didn't really get hooked until I graduated. I moved back home to LA, um, and just needed a hobby, needed a new community, um, needed to meet some people and joined a CrossFit gym and just the rest is history from there. I started doing administrative work for them pretty quickly because I needed a job and then I got my my certification to start coaching and just like totally fell in love with it um and got really good at it right you were really good I wouldn't say I was really good I was good I could like keep up with with the average like good crossfitter but you know I I was never like particularly strong or um but yeah I was I was okay and I I mean I was definitely training like multiple hours a day and like really in it for a little while um what do you what do you what about it you think like held your attention and that, that made you want to go in as opposed to like, you know, any kind of gym experience before you were like, meh. Yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned earlier, the community aspect of like seeing the same people every day um, and like being excited about that friendly competition. I think like CrossFit certainly has its downsides and its flaws, <laughs> But one of like the big motivating factors for a lot of people and me included, even though I don't generally think of myself as super competitive is the like just fun nature in a gym of like knowing the little like group of girls that you're sort of on par with and like day to day little mini competitions where like you're all motivating each other to be better that and like seeing each other improve together and like getting your first muscle up and little things like that. Like I just, that was addictive to me. Like I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Brie, how about you? How did your, um, did it come through Laura or what was it? No, I have such a a weird background with fitness. So I've never been athletic. I've never really worked out. I've never done anything. Like I literally used to stay home from school when we had stuff to do in PE in high school and middle school. um, I was, I come from a family of four. All my brothers, I have all brothers. They're all athletes. And I am not, I was like the chubby sibling, you know? Um, basically how I started was I became like very unhealthy with like my relationship to food, my relationship to my body. Um, and I essentially like started to not do things like I wouldn't like go out or see my friends or I wouldn't like experience life because I just like didn't feel good about myself. Mm. And I don't, I honestly don't know how I was introduced to like what CrossFit was, but there was like a point where I was like researching a lot of like, cause I definitely would like try gyms and then just like not go or something like that. 
um, where I researched a ton of CrossFit gyms and I just thought it like looked interesting. And for some reason, the, the one that I went to first was CrossFit Hollywood. And there was like something about it. I was like, okay, like I'm going to go in someday, (laughs) you know, like just like, I was like so shy. And so like, uh, I like didn't know anything about like fitness. And when I started CrossFit Hollywood, I was probably, I was like 300 pounds. Um, and like I went in, I did an intro. I kind of like told myself like I was going to stick to something and like do it. Like I was just going to do it. Like it didn't matter. I was going to do it. And then like Laura said, like there is like a great community. Like some of my best friends, like Laura's one of my best friends. Like I've met like amazing people. Um, and I feel like they, them with like, my own like determination like once I started I was like oh like this is fun like I can do this like I had crazy modifications when I started like I couldn't squat I couldn't run I couldn't do a lot of things um but like they worked with me and like found I kind of like found my place and then I found out I was strong so then then I started like training for that and it was like little by little I was kind of uh trying to better myself like I was like oh like I can do this like let me see if I can do this next thing um yeah I think that's another great thing about like CrossFit and, and any kind of gym that offers like mixed modalities is often you kind of find your little niche like what what you really like and you, you can find something that you're kind of good at or that you find real kind of like enjoyment in um, I don't know, kind of weightlifting, you kind of like took a shine to, right? So Olympic yeah. weightlifting and that kind of thing. Like at first I started off with powerlifting. Yeah. I started off with powerlifting, which I thought was like really fun. Um, and then I think the technical part of weightlifting is what like drew me in is like how like just like little tweaks can like really change the lifts, like stuff like that. I like loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very graceful, very artistic, very, you know, very precise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So weightlifting and like strength stuff became like my thing. I'm not a runner. I don't run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we did a competition like early on. I'm sure we'll come back to this and I'll let her obviously talk about it more. But I just remember like it was pretty early on in your in your career at CrossFit Hollywood. And the whole gym was just like so freaking proud of you. And we all drove to this competition. I think we were already friends at this point, but like, I was just like, we were, everybody was so, from my perspective, I mean, you can talk more to this, but like so supportive and just like in awe of you and everything that you had accomplished by that point. Oh, years ago. (laughs) It was years ago. It was such a crazy time. Yeah, that was, that was a, a little just slightly over a year of me doing CrossFit and I had at that point I had lost like 120 pounds wow that's great so, yeah it was crazy <laughs> it's, it's also it's also funny to me how many CrossFitters hate running it's so common <laughs> they love CrossFit but they hate running <laughs> so I I'm like it's just not for me I feel like yeah, that sure. I'm like oh this is I'm heavy this isn't this isn't for me <laughs> 
we also just like don't do it that much. Like I feel right. like it's a stereotype that we don't like it. So then we don't do it. And then you actually don't like it because you, you're not good at it because you never do it. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy situation. Yeah. It's funny because I put it, I put it as the summer approaches and kind of summer draws on, like I put more and more running in the program. So I want people to get outside and get vitamin D and that kind of stuff. And the amount of complaints and and, and yeah. the ones we get about it. Oh, running. Oh, so boring. <laughs> I, okay. Okay, but it's kind of scary running around on the streets around LA because yeah, I have to think about my body because like if I break my leg, I'm not working. You know? Right, there's that. That's a that's a true thing. Yeah, that's that's yeah. an important point, especially for someone like you. Um, so you both found CrossFit. You both found um a love for sport uh, and, and training and going to the gym, and you found like a consistency with it. And obviously, that's that's changed somewhat as you've, you know, as your professional careers have taken off and, you know, you have less time to dedicate. And Laura, I know you already kind of mentioned, you know, it had to take a back seat and Brie, I'm sure there are times when you, when you can't, you just simply can't train just because of the nature of your your job or where you are in the world. Um, How have you managed that situation kind of mentally? Like, is it just like a shift in priorities and just thinking, like it's okay to not work out or, or do you, do you feel yourself being constantly frustrated with the fact that you can't do what you used to be able to do? Um, I feel like for me, you know, I'll let Laura go. Laura, you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, something that Brie and I, have bonded over. And like one of the reasons why we're as close as we are is we both had a very um, challenging relationship with fitness and particularly like body image and eating issues and things like that. And I think that when you go through something like that and literally your health is on the line and you have to let fitness take a back seat to like getting back to I mean, your health, your, your mental health, certainly like it, it becomes less of a, you just have a reframe from like more is better and more is healthier to like, okay, no more is not better. More is not healthier in my situation. And a lot of people's situations, in my opinion, I think in the fitness industry Mm -hmm. Um, and like really reprioritizing why you're doing fitness and why you feel like you need to do it every day. And when, and when you go through something, um, you know, like for me personally, like an eating disorder, you literally have to like reckon with that <laughs> or I mean, yeah. I get <laughs> so I mean, that, that, that's an interesting point. Laura. So you, you both found fitness and then you liked it so much that you kind of got addicted to it to, to the point where it became an unhealthy addiction, both to fitness and with the nutrition that went along with it. Is that, is that right? in saying that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I don't, I think a lot of people struggle like kind of on the cusp of over-exercising, under-eating, like maybe some like body image issues. And I wouldn't qualify that as like an eating disorder necessarily, but I do think there's a lot of unhealthy behavior in the fitness industry. And in some cases, in my case, it can spiral and like go to a really not good place. And I, I don't, think that it's necessarily that like I just got addicted to CrossFit or something that did that like there's a lot of layers to that you know like I think back to the first few years 
And like back then we were doing like paleo challenges, like once every few months, it would literally be like, here's your body fat percentage at the beginning and here's the end. And like, you literally get a monetary prize if you get as small as possible, regardless of like, if you're already underweight (laughs) or whatever the health consequences of that are, like there was just not a lot of conversation around that, especially with women. So I think it just like a lot of different components of that. Plus being in LA, I think adds a layer of like pressure to be a certain way. I mean, people are beautiful and thin there and, you know, obviously not everybody, but there's just like a different cultural pressure as well being there um, and emphasis on aesthetics too. So yeah, it certainly can spiral. um, Yeah. I think it's interesting where this, where it comes from, where does that pressure come from to that, that, that you feel like you need to be smaller or you need to be thinner or because it's not something, you know, it's not a parent telling you to do it. It's not your friends telling you you need to be, it's coming from somewhere. Um, and I know a lot of it like over the years has definitely come from like Hollywood and like the general, um, the, the poster people that you see, you know, in advertising like this person, this is the way that you should look. This is the way that you should look. And I think that is changing a little bit. Um, I know just not in my, in my experience in Hollywood, um, people like to say that they believe in like strong women and that they believe in like different body types. But when push comes to shove, the people that they choose to put up on a pedestal are often still the same stereotype they said they were trying to like get away from. Um, so, you know, it's something I think we all like as an industry um, as a fitness industry, we have to keep working on and keep challenging those those stereotypes. Um, do you still both feel now that that same pressure and you just deal with it better? Or do you think that pressure is less than it was? Or, you know, what, what do you guys think about the way that the industry is now and the way the way that women in general are perceived um, in terms of like what they should look like and how they should behave in fitness? Well, the like, image of what fitness is like it it has slightly changed but it hasn't actually changed like example for me and like what I do when I started when I started modeling that was like the first that was around the first couple rounds that you were actually seeing like bigger women other than like stereotypical like fitness women who are thin muscular or just like thin in general um on athletic campaigns mm. so when i started though you've done, bunch, you've done a bunch of them right Bri? i have now but that doesn't mean that i had like that i didn't like feel certain things when i was on set or right. like like feel things or i didn't like there were times when these actual campaigns came out with like big brands and all I got was a bunch of messages about how I'm promoting obesity and how in the campaign is like unhealthy and women shouldn't like aspire to look like me or that I couldn't run down the street. I, I mean, I don't know. Like when you say say messages, like, like Instagram messages or I would get messages on Instagram. People would be on like the brands, the actual brands on their actual posts. They would, there would be, hundreds of comments about how like I'm unhealthy. Um, I can't run down the street. I probably never worked out a day in my life. And this is me when right around when I was still competing, when I was right around when I was still like, I mean, I still work out every day and everything, but I don't train two hours a day anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm not like, 
macro. I mean, I can be macro conscious now, depending on if I'm traveling, like I have to be, but like, I'm not like tracking my macros and stuff like that. But like back then to hear that and to see that was very like triggering. Um, yeah, for sure. Like my background and everything, like Laura said. Yeah. How do you, how do you, um, how, how have you found ways to deal with that? Like, obviously it's incredible that you, you have the strength to deal with all that. Cause it's, that's the worst thing about Instagram. People just say whatever the fuck they like and have no consequence about it. But you know, have you, have, what ways have you found to deal with that kind of abuse? I mean, it's abuse, that, that kind of abuse. Um, I feel like when you have to be very, I feel like a lot of people that are in front of people in general have to really just like dig their feet into like who they are, like, and what people say about them does not matter. So like these people can say that I can't lift all I want or I can't like do this or I can't do that. But like, they know nothing about me. They never will. They're sitting behind like their phones or their computers um, are probably not happy with their own lives. Like you just have to, I try to just like take everything like that with like a grain of salt because like, I know what I can do. Like I have friends and family that love me that like know what I can do. And like, what other people perceive of me is not something that I need to take on. And like, that's also something like as women in general, like different body types in fitness, we also are trying to like really, um, I guess like embraces, like you do not have to take on what other people are putting down sure. that you are, what you should look like, or, you know, yeah. like, how you, I don't know, just like how you should be is that you don't need to be any of those things. So like them telling me that I'm not athletic and I'm not this and I'm promoting obesity, that's like all for them. That's right. like nothing to do with me. Yeah, I think I'm sure, I'm sure Laura would agree. Like it's one of the hardest things as a parent to know that like our kids are going to go into a, a world where they're growing up with that kind of stuff from a very young age that anybody could make any comment about them or say horrible things about them. And it really is just like trying to drum home that this is not a real thing. These are not real people. This is just like more about them than it is about you. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's such a scary and dangerous, you know, thing about social media, you know, that side of it. And it's, it is really, um, you know, as a parent, one of the, one of the most fearful things about raising a kid in this generation is like that side of it. Like what people can say about your son or your daughter or, you know, or you, or you, or you as a parent or how you're parenting. You know, I've seen a bunch of stuff where people like, comment on the way that you're raising your kids it's like i don't know why why people think they have the right to like comment on this stuff but you know it's a it's a really bizarre and strange time uh, and uh, you know you know hats off to you for, for dealing with a brief because i can only imagine how you know how how tough that must be and um the fact that you've dealt with it also well and you're still you know being successful and being yourself and and, and doing everything is incredible um but yeah it's it's it really is a, a minefield um the, the whole social media side of things um laura uh coming back to you um you know obviously brief just highlighting some 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 major kind of like stereotypes you've dealt with and some some comments and all that kind of stuff have you dealt with much of that stuff or you know i know that the, the nutritional side of things at times has been challenging for you um is it things people have said to you? Have there been comments? Or is it is it kind of like you on you kind of like pressure? Um, 
I do think it's what people have said to me, although I certainly have never been like bullied like that in any way. Like I've not experienced what Brie has gone through, but um, I, I think kind of like from the opposite side of it, like as a thinner person, just naturally, like, you know, I, I had a little bit of extra weight on me, not very much after college. And when I started CrossFit, that started to come off. And not even intentionally at first, like, I don't think I had any sort of like inclination towards eating disorder behaviors before I started in the fitness world. And um, like, that wasn't my goal when I joined, but it happened naturally. And you don't even realize how common it is in our culture to comment on women getting smaller as like a compliment. Like, it's just so natural. Like, oh, I haven't seen you in so long. You look great. Did you lose weight? Like, you must be, like, it's just, and people mean it kindly. People mean it as a genuine compliment. But when you hear that repeatedly over and over, especially when you're going through a phase of weight loss, like for me, it was the first time in my life that I had ever lost weight. Like, I'd never thought about it before, you know? And it just like, at some point you start to correlate that with, people like me when I yeah, lose weight, like I get yeah. compliments, I'm popular, I, you know, I'm a better coach, like, of course, I'm not a freaking better coach, you know, but like, it just really starts to get conflated in your mind of like, where does me and my value versus like my body size, where is the separation? Yeah. And I think that's what did it for me. And I even I was aware of that at the time, as I was like going downhill. And then as I started to recover, like after my low point, I started to get help. I, and I started to gain weight, which I needed to do. And I felt good inside about my decision to gain weight at that point, but I noticed no compliments. No one was like, you look healthier, (laughs) you know, no comments. Not that anyone insulted me or bullied me at all. Like none of that, but. But they um, they were validating you more when you were smaller. Yeah. And And of course they didn't know what was going on. Like no one was being malicious, but. Um, yeah, it's just like so natural in our society to be like, oh my God, you look so good. You're, you're smaller. Um, and you know, a lot of people who are getting smaller are are not healthy right? and not just for eating disorders. I mean, people lose weight because of all sorts of illnesses and and stress and, you know, there's a big difference. It's like we were saying the club, there's a big difference between being metabolically healthy and being thin, like We know from the, you know, from the, from the in-body reading and stuff like that, just because someone's small doesn't mean they're healthy. Like when you look at their actual, you know, body composition and their, their lack of any kind of lean body muscle mass, you know, from that perspective, they're, they're not in great shape, um, metabolically, but you know, the, the perception from the outside is, oh, they're thin and they're small. So they must be, they must be healthy. And it's, you know, it is definitely a, a misconception and something we need to keep, um, you know, something we need to keep challenging and keep, keep forcing. And the problem is, you know, you think you're getting so far in this in this kind of like shift, and then you read something in a magazine. It's like, how how are we still here? Um, I know one of our trainers, Ruby, she highlighted this comment by I think it was Charlize Theron's trainer or, or someone like that, and it was just saying, you know, women should bench this in this in this manner with a close grip bench press because it will stop them getting wide and bulky and so they don't look too masculine and this kind of stuff. It's like stuff that like 10 years ago, I was saying like, we have to stop this narrative. Like we have to change this, but it's still, it still happened. People are still guilty of it. And it's still like, you know, that's another Hollywood example. It's like, it's still like Hollywood pushing that narrative of like what a woman should look like. And not, a, not only is it a false 
you know, false thing anyway. That's a ridiculous, like, exercise thing to claim. But it's also saying, you know, well, women shouldn't look like this, they should look like that. Um, and it, it goes on and on and on. And I don't know, it's hard to know, like, where it, where it starts, where it comes from, um, because it's just been going on, you know, for so long. Um, and there are so many of us, like, in the industry trying to, you know, push a different narrative um, but it always seems to come back to the same same nonsense that, it, that has always existed. But I guess you know, you know, all we can all we can keep doing, and, and this to move us on to our next kind of point is, you know, what changes would you like to see? Um, what what different language would you like to be used? Um, and how do you think we 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 continue to move the the the, the emphasis and the focus towards? healthier bodies as opposed to just like ultra fit bodies? I guess for me, what what I would think would be is like, let people, let people show up as they are like, stop in the sense of like, if you have someone that's bigger that wants to work out, like they don't need to be working out to become like become something else. They might just want to work out to be, you know, to want to move, to want to, you know, I don't know, get stronger, learn a, learn something like boxing or, you know, do spin. They don't need. Or or just for communion, like Laura was saying, just for the social element, you know. Like there doesn't need to be, there doesn't always need to be an end goal. You don't always have to be trying to change who you are, to change what you look like. Um, And I feel like that's still such like a heavy thing in fitness. It's like, oh, you want to work out to lose weight. You want to work out to be smaller. You want to work out to do this. And it's like, no, I want to work out to be stronger. I want to work out to be like really good at boxing. I want to work out to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Like it doesn't have fun. Yeah. Have fun, make friends, like stuff like that. There, it doesn't always have to emphasize around your size of your body. Mm -hmm. Because that, that's not, like, how long have we been doing that? How many women and people in general are so unhappy with that? Right. Right. You know, it's, that's something that, like, we're still seeing so heavily is, like, size. Like, be smaller. Like, be fitter. Like, being fit is being, like, muscular and small. And it's, like, no. Like, some, some people's body types are naturally bigger. And, yeah, like, for sure. For sure. And they could be sitting at such, like, a low body fat percentage and just be a bigger body like they don't yeah and that that happens all the time you know people will people will come in with a a picture of someone or an idea of like someone in the head says i want to look like this person i mean the classic the classic uh, male one is like i want to look like brad pitt in fight club (laughs) the guy's the guy's 135 pounds (laughs) 26 inch waist and broad shoulders like it dude it's not gonna happen like what what do you want me to tell you um but yeah I, I think that goes on a lot people people just don't really understand that like we are anatomically all very different well like the length of our femurs is different like that our skeletal system is is different on on everybody um and you can't change your you know your, your structure no matter no matter how much body fat you lose um, that was thing that i had to like get out of my head when i started because mm-hmm. i got into the mo- into the the process of being like, oh, like if I'm going to be fit, I'm going to look like this. And I had like Laura and a lot of other, like my trainers at the time, like really like let me know, like I, 
am not physically able to get that low or to look like that or right. my body type just isn't that. And I had to retrain myself or like relearn this specific thing because I was taught something else my whole life. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the, the classic. Have, sorry. Sorry. You can go, Brian and I have both, you know, at, at various points in our fitness lives together, like hit low points where our bodies were sending us clear signals that we were too small for our body types. Mm. And we were many pounds apart and looked totally different, but like we were both experiencing really similar things of like our bodies saying, no, this is, this is not right for us. And, and everybody has a different point where their body is comfortable. And I think it's especially important for women whose hormones are like so sensitive to body weight and body fat percentage to know where their healthy ranges. And there certainly is like an upper point, I think too, for hormonal health, but um, specifically in the fitness industry, I think people are hitting the low point pretty regularly and not acknowledging that that's what's going on because they think that they can get as small as like the next person. Well, there's also a, so in a sport like CrossFit, well, and and it, you know, any, any professional athletic sport where in order to be competitive um, you have to be at a very low body fat percentage if you if you truly want to be competitive and and that might be like a woman needs to be 12 percent body fat now for for certain athletes that may be worth the trade-off because that's their career and that's what they're getting paid to do but in no means is that a healthy habit lifestyle or, or way to be but i think a lot of the time it's like the general gym goer will look at that athlete, look at that body type and saying, well, you know, if I'm going to be like that, then I have to, that's the body fat percentage I want to be at without realizing this is, this is a calculated decision, a professional decision. Like I'm, I'm going to try and win the CrossFit games in order to do that. I need to be at a certain body fat percentage or if I'm a bodybuilder on stage, I'm trying to win the Mr. Olympia. I have to be at a certain body fat percentage. And it's worth the risk for me because it is a calculated risk to be that low of a body fat percentage and to be that unhealthy at that point because it is unhealthy. Uh, there's nothing healthy about a woman being sub 12% body fat at all. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a risk that they're taking in order to be financially successful at their sport. Um, and they have to find a way to navigate that like as they come out of the sport on the other end, like how to find, how to refine health after that. Um, but I think a lot of the time, like the general gym goer, will look at look at a body type like that, think that's what they have to aspire to, uh, and make those sacrifices on their body without there being any kind of real, you know, reward for it. Like you're not, you know, it's not a professional decision. It's just a preconceived physical aesthetic thing of like this is what I should look like because this is what people like. Therefore, I'll make these sacrifices. I'll do this damage to my body so that people think I'm athletic or whatever it is and I think it's so sad how easily or how willing people are even the women that are experiencing these issues how willing they are to just dismiss them as like oh this is part of like being athletic and being female is like going through these issues that like I I mean I've been fairly vocal about what I've gone through on social media and so a lot of people like at the Pharaohs community when I was still there in person working would like approach me oh hey I'm I'm having that issue too or like you know I, I haven't gotten my period in two years like things like that you know and 
the general attitude is like, that's okay. <laughs> like that's right. just part of it. Like that just means you're really fit. No, that's not okay. That's a sign that something is not wrong, yeah. working, right? Mm-hmm. That there's like a let, and not that it's necessarily an emergency and everyone should be terrified if they go through something like that, because I think it is really, really common, but um, you know, that, that should be addressed and resolved and not dismissed as like, whatever, that's part, part of, of the journey, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, when you're in, when you're in, you're in the industry for, for so long and you see it so often, um, it, it's one of those things that it becomes so common that people think it's normal and it's not. Right. It's not normal. It is common, but that doesn't make it normal. That doesn't make it normal. That doesn't make it right. Yeah. Um, What are some of the other um, kind of challenges or hurdles that you guys have had to overcome during your, your fitness journey? Um, Has there been, um, we talked a little bit about comments. We talked about social media. Have you guys dealt with any kind of, um, motivational issues of like i don't want to do this anymore like i don't need to do this anymore um i've kind of like i'm burnt out by this um i I kind of find i met a lot of people kind of and i'm not sure how old you both are right now but like in their kind of like early 30s who kind of like they've been through that phase of kind of like crossfit they've got a little bit burnt out by it and they're kind of they're kind of done um, and they've lost a bit of motivation and they're just, you know, struggling to get back in. Have you guys had any of that time in your life where you're like really struggle to get back in the gym and, and, and kind of start the process again? Or have you always managed to kind of like stay close, close enough to it that you, that you weren't <laughs> complete, uh, completely exited from it? Um, I feel like with me, my relationship with like working out, it's, it's still at times feels like very new because like mm. in the grand scheme of my life, I haven't been working out for very long, like in yeah. my whole life type thing. So it, depending on like what Laura said, like what I'm going through, like emotionally, like with my body, with my eating, like I, I am the other spectrum of Laura's like a uh, point. So like I come from like binge eating and emotional eating and stuff like that. Mm. And I went to, you know, like, oh, I'm going to eat to compete or eat to do this or eat to be strong. So then I, I switched like one bad habit for another because I, yes. I went too far. So but like also, for- also with, with weightlifting and strength training, it then it gives you a reason to eat, right? It gives you a, almost an excuse to, to eat. It's like, well, if I want to lift heavier, I'm going to have to get bigger. So it like on the flip side of things, that could be another dangerous path. Yes, because you're like trading one obsession for another. So it's like one like, oh, like, I'm gonna like hide to eat to like, oh, I can eat whatever I want. Or like, oh, I can eat so restrictive and just like tell people I'm training. Or, you know, like, it looks like I'm doing good because I'm losing weight, but actually, like, I'm dying inside or, you know, like random. like that. Mm. Um, So like, my motivation with like working out and stuff like that depends on like where I am with myself. So if like, if I feel like I'm falling off, I'm going to fall off working out and you like won't see me. And like, I'll like, there'll be something going on and I have to, for me, I have to like balance myself out 
to like come back or to like feel like my main objective, like being on both spectrums of like extreme, like restrictive eating and like extreme, like binge eating and emotional eating is like, I have to find a balance in between the two. And like, no matter what, that's my main objective. My main objective is like working out too. I went from an extreme, like two hours a day, I hurt my back, but I'm still going to train because I have this thing coming up. Like that type of stuff to like, I don't do anything because I hate everything. You right. know, like it, right. it's me. Finding balance. Hmm? Well, Laura, did you, um, you know, after the pregnancies and having some stuff, did you, did you find it hard to get back into fitness after that? Or could you not wait to get back in? <laughs> I couldn't wait, but it still was hard in the sense that I had to not start from zero, but you know, start from a much lower point than I was used to. And after like everything I went through with eating disorder stuff, like I wanted to be really careful to not go down that path again. Um, I think especially like during my first pregnancy, I all of a sudden had like a newfound like sense of urgency to actually be healthy Mm -hmm. um, because like my body was being shared by another person. (laughs) And um And certainly like I I feel that pressure now having kids as well of just like I have a a more of a responsibility now to like make sure that I am not doing things that are potentially leading me down an unhealthy path. And so and no. And once you've been there, it's really hard to find exactly where that line is for yourself of like, am I doing this because it feels so good and it's fun and I love doing this or am I doing this like subconsciously or like in the back of my mind and not really admitting it to myself because I like want to get skinny again or something, you know? And I think I have found that balance, but like that was more of my struggle was pulling the reins back a little bit when I wanted to like go all in right away and like lose the weight and like have my bounce back and like all of that bullshit around pregnancy, you know? Um, Like I had to like really consciously not go down that path and like, find other reasons to work out which I for sure have like I mean fun that is my first and foremost like why I do it I love doing it it's fun if it's not fun I'm not doing it (laughs) yeah I always say that the best programming the best best program is the one that you enjoy the most yeah because it's the only one you're going to stick with yeah yeah um let's talk just just briefly um we've mentioned mentioned nutrition a little bit but um you know, you're both in a pretty like balanced place right now. How, how, how do you deal with nutrition? Um, how have you managed to find balance with nutrition? Um, Laura, you mentioned like you used to do paleo challenges and that kind of stuff and that, that can cause problems. Um, do you guys cook a lot? Do you get any meal prep service? How do you deal with like getting the right nutrition on a daily basis? Uh, so for me, if I'm working, I have no control over what I'm eating. So on set, like you get breakfast, you get lunch. And then like, if depending on where I'm at, I either have to like Postmates or um, like come home and make, usually I will make something, but like, those are my options. But I feel like I try to like be conscious. I guess I try, I'm still like on my, like, I'm not like, hundred percent, like everything's great. Like I'm still learning through like what's good for me eating wise, what's not good for me. Like, I feel like it's just going to be like a lifetime thing. Um, just making like good, good conscious decisions, whatever the, 
you know, whatever yeah. the situation is and what's available to you, just making good conscious decisions with those options. Right. And like listening to myself, like, have I been like eating like crazy? Do I feel weird? Do I feel like, how do I feel mm. is like a big thing for me that I'm trying to like really instill in myself is like, am I eating like, is what I'm eating like not doing it for me? Or like, do I feel yeah. sluggish? Do I feel strong? Yeah, a lot, of people, a lot of people forget that, that every food and every food and every drink you put in your body is a drug that your body has a reaction to. They just think of it as calories, it's not just calories. Like your body has a reaction to everything you consume and it leads you to feel a certain way. Um, it's funny. I was listening to a, a, a podcast last week uh, by uh, Michael Pollan and he was talking about caffeine. And obviously caffeine is like the most used drug in the world right now. And he took three months off ca uh, caffeine. Uh, it was a complete mess. And then he went back on and he said the first cup of coffee was like it was like doing cocaine he was like had a huge like euphoric rush from from something that we drink all day every day and get so used to um that we forget like we're having chemical reactions in our bodies all the time from everything that we're consuming and it's like i said it's not just calories we are it leads us to feel a certain way whether it be energized whether it be sluggish whether it be bloated whether it be miserable um whether we have digestive issues or those kind of things. Um, so it's really important to pay attention to, to what we consume, not just in terms of like how many calories are in it, but how does it really make us feel? Like I love, I love a donut. Like I love how it tastes, but God, it makes me feel terrible. Like 15 minutes, I just feel terrible. Because I have, I have donut like in the afternoon after I've had like balanced meals a few times throughout the day and like my blood sugar is good for the day. But if I have it first thing in the morning, I'm a mess. Like I'm yeah. shaking all day. <laughs> like, like, I, I find it gives me like, I just get in a bad mood. Like I, I'm terrible. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I don't have much sugar really in my diet at all. And then when I have that amount, like really quickly, for some reason, it just makes me like irritable and moody and, and <laughs> terrible. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point that you made there about, uh, about, recognizing the way that food makes you feel as opposed to just thinking about it as calories. Um, so my next thing I want to move on to, um, and I kind of ask this of everybody is, is about purpose. And I think specifically for you both, this is a really good question because like I said before, you both have really, really different lives, but have a very kind of similar, you know, viewpoint and, and, and story to tell. Um, but if you were to tell anybody, if, if you were to describe to anybody your purpose, um, not your purpose in your job or, um, or anything like that, but like your purpose on the planet, like if you, were to, if you were to say, I'm Laura Hood and my purpose on this planet is to blank, what would it be? I'll give you a couple of minutes to think about that. <laughs> oh, you're really late <laughs> question. <laughs> Yeah, everybody gets everybody gets flummoxed by this question, but it's 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 a good one because it, it makes you think about okay, you know, it's it would be easy to say, oh, I want to be a really successful model, but that's not really what your purpose on that planet. Like, how do you want to affect people? How do you want to be? Um, you know, what what do you want your tombstone to say? <laughs> I feel like, well, obviously, my kids. Like, I feel like as a parent, that just creates a sense of purpose that, like. Of course, that is amazing. To raise healthy, good kids. Yeah. Um, but personally, like beyond that, I think that like the thing that motivates me 
is that I want to create a better world, a better environment in like a lot of different areas, like fitness and professionally and in like parenthood for women. Like that is something that is on my mind pretty much all day. Like that is what motivates me to like want to hustle so hard to continue to have a career. Um, Not that every woman should want to do that by any means, but like there are so many obstacles for mothers, especially, and just women in, in so many different areas of our society. Like that is something that's really important to me in my, in my own small ways that I can contribute to like breaking down those barriers and finding ways to like, you know, be able to like, look the way you want in the fitness industry and have that be okay. And like be a working mom and and juggle all the things that come with that and like have that be okay. And I, I don't know that I'm doing a whole lot in terms of oh, like you all I mean, of your social change, but yeah. you know, in my own small way, like that's like a big driving purpose for me. Yeah. You, for those of you listening that don't know, Laura, Laura deals with all our, our HR, um, all our kind of employment, um, um, she deals with a million different issues on, on, a, on a daily basis and makes a huge difference to the club. And I'm always, you know, I'm always reminded that a lot of people just don't see how much Laura does uh, at the club because she's not physically at the club. But um, just know that, you know, the club does not function without Laura. It, it, it kind of like it would have failed a long time ago without her. So you should all know that. Um, Brie, I, your situation is, is interesting because I'm sure there's a lot of women out there who look up to you and who are, you know, inspired by you and your, your story. Um, does that, I mean, we'll talk about what, it, well, you can talk about whatever you want to in terms of your purpose, but does that heighten your sense of purpose as, as kind of like a role model? Well, I guess in, in like my small way as well, like I, as like, this isn't something that I ever like wanted to do. This isn't something I ever thought that I was going to do. Like, and now to like be here and to have learned about like the plus curve community and like how much like this like group of people are really just like trying to be seen and trying to be heard and trying to like, you know, like have like a space or like a place to be now like in my like in I guess in my small like visibility of like you know people like seeing me and like the messages I get from women and like small girls and everything it it's I it's a feeling that I almost like can't describe just like because in actuality like being in front of people all the time as someone that was like very shy and like you know like as it it can be like hard but then when you like see that like you know like 16 year old girls are like oh I can go to the beach now I feel like I can go to the beach because like you like posted this or because I see like you're happy at the beach or like you're out with your friends like I can be out with my friends at the beach too or or I can wear this or I can go to the gym or I'm gonna try to do this or it's like those, like even touching those small amount of people with like something that I do or something that I'm doing or, you know, on this journey that I'm on, it's, it's like, is, it is undescribable because I was the girl that didn't go to the beach. I was a girl that didn't go to like the 
the like, I don't know, fairs, because, you know, all these things. And it's like, just knowing that like this, like these women and, and, you know, this community is like now doing things. And it's like myself and everyone else that's like on this, like, that are like, I guess, in front of people now, um, are like touching anything that that is like, amazing. It's amazing. And and I, and I I often think, um, you know, the best we can hope for in, in whatever we do on in this world is to, to positively affect as many people as possible. And I think the fact that you're, you know, you're in this, in this very special situation and you can, you can inspire such a specific, um, you know, portion of the community that, that needs someone that, that, that often are, do feel like alone or misunderstood or, you know, that they're not going to get, you know, the opportunities that other girls might get when they see you doing what you're doing and being so happy and being so successful and that kind of stuff. I think it's a, it's, it's a really, it's, I think it's a really incredible position to be in. I think you should be very proud of, of everything that you're doing. Um, so, brother, <laughs> keep doing it. Um, girls, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I know you're both crazy busy, um, but it's great to have uh, this kind of stuff on the podcast. It's great to have your stories and your contributions. Um, and like I said, I hope you just both continue to do what you're doing. Um, it's great to have you both at the club. Obviously, Laura, as, as, a, as a, a vital uh, kind of, I don't even want to say the term employee because you're so much more than an employee. Um, and Bree as, as one of our as one of our like OG members and you know, uh, major inspirations at the club. Um, I hope you're both with us for a, for a very long time because you make us a lot better. Um, so thanks for taking the time uh, and thanks for listening in today, guys. Um, as always, we are open 1316 Glendale Boulevard. Uh, come see us. Um, we have multiple programs available. And we open from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. in the evening. And we would love to see you. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Barras Echo Park. Um, and you can find this podcast on any good podcast channels. Um, we'll be back with you uh, very shortly uh, next week. And uh, uh, until then, take care. See you guys. Bye.